there a doctor in the house? Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case loving you. Doctor. 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 And doctor. It's time for Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rashid Batar. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. The doctor is in. Oh boy, do we need Dr. Batar? There's a virus hitting the Midwest. It could be the tip of the iceberg. We got Barack Ebola to talk about. All kinds of stuff. Dr. Rasha Batar, how are you, my friend? I am doing very well, Robert. I was standing up and dancing to that little introduction, you know. Just kind of- <laughs> yeah, we all we all groove to it. <laughs> so we have uh yeah, loads of stuff to talk about. I we were talking off the air earlier today about the Sacred Fire of Liberty Gala that I went to. I got a couple of awards, which is really cool, but just inspired because I was able By to way, connect congratulations with... congratulations on that. That's not oh, a, that's a light thing. You kind of brushed over it real fast. So congratulations are order in order to uh, make sure that everybody else that's listening to the recognizer, that's a, that's a pretty big thing to get the only award that I know of for promoting the concepts of sovereignty and health freedom across the board, and that's the only award that I know of like that, and you were the recipient of it, so congratulations from all of us. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate that. Like I said, if it helps us to, to outreach even further, and I, and I think it will because the reach keeps growing, then I'm, then I'm happy for it. And it, and we're having great fun doing it. And I, and I mentioned I got to interview some folks. I had Barbara Lowe Fisher on earlier today from the National Vaccine Information Center. Uh, of course, one of the first doctors to be assaulted with you know, major league firearms they brought in uh, was, uh, you know, who we're talking about here, right? Jonathan Back Wright. at the home, Jonathan Wright, exactly. Dr. Jonathan Wright was also awarded, and he's been at it for as long as any. But he, what I, what I also commented about it because there's a picture of, of me and him, and he was just cracking Joe. He makes me laugh. I'm thinking, here's a guy that has been just attacked viciously, like the Wakefields of the world, and you've been attacked over the years. And all of these guys, what they have in common is a, a, a wonderful sense of humor. You know, you, you like to laugh and you look at life beyond just the attacks that are thrown your way to continue to do the right thing. And so I was really inspired by that. And we had a nice uh, comment from a listener from, from Friday's show, and I wanted to read this to you because I think you'll appreciate it uh, as well. And this comes from a guy named Steve. He says, Robert, on Friday's show in your discussion with Jonathan Emord, you mentioned that you didn't come here to give up. That reminds me of a saying floating around the Internet. In life, you have three choices, give up, give in, or give it all you've got. So I thought, you're a guy that gives it all he's got. So that's very appropriate why we hang out together. Well, I appreciate that, Robert. And, you know, <clears throat> that I feel the same way about you and, and a lot of the people that seem to be either attracted to our energy field or that come together, Ty and you know, all the different people that we've uh, met together through the show, that I've met through the show, uh, I think that that would be a safe statement to make that um, all those people tend to give it all they got. So I think... That's probably universally true with with pretty much anything in life, and I think that statement is, you know, it's really appropriate, I think, to, to what we do, and even to the patients that, that come. You know, either they give up. Uh, it, it, it's actually really, really true with the type of patients that come to my clinic mm-hmm. in that latter category, that they give it all they got. That's what they want. They want the optimum health. They want to do whatever it takes to get to that level. They are not complacent. They don't look immediately for their reward right now. They're looking at the long-term benefit of what they 
institute into their lives and the steps that they do, the, the, the you know, process that they go through. And it's an investment in their own health, in their own families, in their own lives. And that's not something that happens. You don't necessarily see the reward right away like you would with the quick fix of stopping at Taco Bell and getting gratification from getting, uh, you know, whatever quick fast food that you want. It's something that happens over time. You don't exercise right now and then feel, well, you may hurt right immediately afterwards, but the benefits of exercise actually show up years later. Mm-hmm. And when people are becoming debilitated and you yourself at the same age or perhaps even older than your peer group are doing so much better, that's really when you start seeing the the value of the investment that you made. So I think that giving it all you've got philosophy probably is universal among all people that come to us uh, seeking our help. As a right, right. You know, and last hour I had a, a race car driver, uh, Roger Carter Racing, and he, he's going to be doing a thing, and he's uh, was a big Ron Paul guy. He's, he put Ron Paul all over his car during the years he was running, and he's now racing for the Constitution to educate people on that document that if we would honor it and, and, and really protect it and defend it, uh, we'd probably be doing a whole lot better. And and so wherever your bliss is, is what I say. And it, it, I want everybody out there doing that, following their passion and, and and also standing up for liberty. What is right, whether it be in the medical realm like you do, like I do, whether it be in the racing realm to do it, wherever it is, we need all of that happening. And And that's why I think, yes, as you're right, we're gravitating, we're coming together in an event like that. It's just so inspiring. You're just smiling. You're just feeling it. And I think that's what I hope people feel from this show each and every day. I think they do, Robert. I think that's probably pretty safe to make that assumption just based upon the comments that we get you know, from different people that are listening to the show. And Obviously, I'm only on with you one day a week, but uh, you're doing this six days a week. So uh, I think that it would be a very safe statement. I think Don would probably agree with me that uh, we we do you, you know you do inspire that and, and accomplish that mission well we're, we're happy to do it and doing it together today of course it's advanced medicine monday if you're new to the show or new to our monday edition with dr rasha Batar, he is the author of the international best-selling book the nine steps to keep the doctor away all the links are up in the show notes at robertscatbell.com just click any of them it'll take you right there and of course if you miss a show particularly when we get together there's medicalrewind.com is an easy quick access uh, to plug into the knowledge, wisdom, and and passion, you know, of of uh, Dr. Batar and all that he does and we do together. Uh, so, Dr. Batar, there's a lot of topics I wanted to to hit with you today. One I I mentioned earlier in the show about this virus they call it the strange mystery virus, but it, it's not a mystery. It's an enterovirus, and they admit and acknowledge in the news reports that the healthy kids really not having much of a problem with it, but the chronically ill kids really coming down with it hard, getting hit hard. Even some going into intensive care in hospitals. And I just wonder, could it be a coincidence that they're all going back to school and they're all getting vaccinated to go back to school at the same time, and the weakest among them are getting hammered by other things? Yeah, I'd like to know the number of vaccines those individuals have received, the ones that are having this problem, the number of vaccines that those individuals have had within the last 12 months. And I would bet a large amount, if I was a betting person, mm-hmm. that the individuals that have had a higher frequency of vaccinations for whatever, whether it's the flu vaccine or, you know, Gardasil or whatever they've had, I would venture that that group that had more vaccines is a group that's more susceptible and that have the chronic diseases that over their lifespan, if you look at them, they've actually had more 
exposure to vaccines that probably their mothers had a higher uh, amalgam load. Uh, they probably have, uh, what do you call them, fillings, amalgam fillings themselves. So mm-hmm, there's probably mm-hmm. a number of different factors that you could measure to show mm-hmm. the difference between that demographic and the group that is considered, quote, healthy and not having these types of problems. But so, isn't that isn't well, that the study that's so scary they'll never do it? You know, well, because it, they, they it, never will. Yeah, I mean, because that's Kate it's, asked this question, Doctor Batar. She says, "How how many kids with autism, asthma, Asperger's, ADHD, etc., have never been vaccinated?" I mean, because yeah, exactly. you know, you, that's a, that's a really good question to ask. And actually, there was a study done looking at that in the Amish population, and they think they found like only eight cases or something. And then they found out that those cases, every one of those kids had actually gone outside of the Amish community and gotten vaccines unbeknownst to the community itself. Yeah. And uh, isn't that correct? You're probably more familiar with that. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. And and I can speak for my own children, and you could speak for yours. Of course, you have that, uh, you know, history that got you started in this because of the vaccine injury to your son. But, you know, my kids, I I had the advantage of of going into this knowing the danger, so we didn't subject them to that, and we did our level best to clean up our acts before we had them. But kids, my kids don't have autism, asthma, Asperger's, ADHD. Uh, you know, at, at least there's a sample of two right there anyway. Right. And, you know, same thing with uh, my youngest never had any vaccines. And, and it's not just our kids. There's many, many people. They're, they're, there's a whole community of individuals out there that never had vaccinations. Uh, the children have vaccinations and they have no problems. And I don't think that's really the issue anymore. I think there's enough proof on that aspect. But when you start looking at these type of statements from the CDC and to do a study like this to look at the exposure to toxicity, to look at the maternal amalgam loads, to look at the various vaccines that they've been exposed to throughout their life, it just makes too much sense to do a study like that. That's why they'll never do it. They're too busy doing studies like, you know, people that are morbidly obese tend to studies have shown that people that are morbidly obese eat more or something like that. <laughs> yes. Well, we just covered we a story last hour, Dr. Batar, some a mad scientist who's been knighted in England wants to I- implant microchips into the brain of obese people to tell them to stop eating. Yeah. <laughs> it would be interesting to actually take a dog collar and put it around people and, you know, you know, now, look, just so that we can, in case people are listening and, you know, they may have a weight problem themselves and they're thinking, well, that's not a very sensitive statement. You know, the, the bottom line is this. I actually just saw a video of myself about 10 years ago, nine years ago, and I could not believe how much more body fat I had on me at that time. Mm-hmm. And I know that the tendency for most people, and I know this isn't a topic we're supposed to discuss, Robert, but I think it's you know oh, worth it's okay. bringing it up right now. People that are obese, they do tend to have some type of a metabolism disorder, and they've gone into that spiral. And so looking at the thyroid, looking at the level of toxicity, because it affects the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis and causes increase in cortisol, so the normal things that you would do to try to lose body fat aren't going to be as effective. But it actually comes down to a choice. It's a choice of exercise. It's a choice of what you eat. It's a choice of how much you eat. It's a choice of how frequently you eat, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's a simple formula, energy in, energy out. As long as you're expending more energy than you're taking in, you're going to lose body fat, and that's the bottom line. But, yeah, these metabolic uh, deficiencies or disorders always related to some level of mineral imbalance, toxicity, all the things that we've discussed for many years together – but still, these scientists, research scientists, they don't look that way. They continue to say it's only a matter of the calories they can measure going in and the calories you burn, but they never reference the, let's say, the quality of the cal- calories, what they're carrying with them, and how they impact that metabolism. 
Yep, exactly. And there's there's other aspects too. You can do certain things to upregulate that that metabolism, and mm-hmm. th- there are certain tricks to the trade that you can, you know, little, little tricks that you can pull out of your hat to help enhance that. But the bottom line is living a cleaner, healthier life, and that's not just what you're taking into your body, but it's also what you're exposing yourself to. It's you know, what are you breathing in? What are you drinking in? What are you thinking? How are you thinking? Are you? It, it all comes down to to how you live your life. Exactly. And you want to clean up your act, uh, no better way to learn how to do that than the nine steps to keep the doctor away. Check it out. The links are up in the show notes at robertscottbell.com. I'll ask Dr. Bittar to also comment on ongoing revelations related to the CDC whistleblower story as well. Yeah, that's a big one. And it looks like uh, Congressman Posey may have thousands, if not hundreds, but thousands of documents that have been leaked out of the CDC. So there is more to come on this story. Stick with us. Great heavens. What kind of radio show is this? The Robert Scott Bell Show. Remember that story from last hour about the microchip? Uh, Super Don tweeted it out, tweeted it out. What do you say? Tweeted it out. Dude, I'm so not with the century. Tweeted? <laughs> tweeted it out. I mean, tweeted? Okay. You, you woofer it or did you tweeter it? Uh, <laughs> somebody uh, uh, on the Twitter handle, vaxademic.org, uh, responded to that story about the brain-altering intelligent microchip to stop you from eating. And Dr. Batar, you'll like this. It's, this guy says, seeing as how most Americans vote against their own best interests, they need to come up with a microchip to combat stupidity. Yeah. <laughs> I I, do, I don't know if it'll work, but good idea. <laughs> so it reminds me of that the push to remove firearms from the general population because of all the so-called violent acts that have been committed, of which the vast majority we can't even really confirm if they really occurred, if they were staged. I know people may think again. I'm I've lost my head if I think a lot of those things have been staged, but we know that many of them have been, and the rest of them are influenced by some of the pharmaceuticals, but. Remember that uh, I think I sent this to you on a private email, Robert, about the new study that they were doing what, that talked about that we should start to control the use of spoons because spoons cause obesity and because right. people yes. can't be trusted with spoons, we should you know confiscate spoons and take those away from the general population as well. Well, exactly. And so there are just I don't know if megalomaniacs are the right terms, but I mean there are, there are humans that want to run other humans' lives. They're just just put them in a condominium association somewhere and leave us all the hell alone. That's what I got to say. Uh, but there's good stuff happening. You know, we talk about awards for journalists, and I'm grateful I, you know, for Jonathan Emord. Ben Swan is a guy that should be getting lots of awards as well. He's been a great, great journalist out there, and he's doing good work. And he was able to confirm with Congressman Posey's office in Florida that they're now in possession of perhaps as many as 100,000 documents from the CDC whistleblower, Bill Thompson. This is going to get very difficult, and we're not at all upset by this, for the vaccine apologists, for those who have been trying to cover up this information for a long time. Yeah, that's going to be amazing. You know, the amount of time and the number of people that will be necessary to go through 100,000 documents, but Mm -hmm. my goodness, can you imagine what type of hidden pearls of uh, information are hidden in that vast amount of paper it's just it's going to be pretty incredible
simple to find out, but it may take some time to go through all that. What's it, and it's exactly what the spokesperson, George Shakela, has said from Posey's office. It's just going to take some time. Uh, I hope we get a lot of good people in there combing, combing through it because, you know, every day you wait, it means one more victim of, uh, you know, this cover-up of a child, whether it be African-American or any other uh, uh, heritage background. Uh, and this is, a, you know, this is a big issue for us. And, you know, I want to remind everybody, too, that when they try to frame the debate and call us anti-vaxxers, we're very much pro-immunity. In fact, we also acknowledge that there is a role and a goodness for interacting with these so-called microorganisms early in life. They strengthen ourselves throughout life so that we don't become chronically ill and cancerous. Uh, and that's something not acknowledged by those who say vaccines are the greatest thing since uh, sliced bread and fire. Yeah, the vaccine itself, the concept of a vaccine, that's how nature intended us to become more resistant and for us to evolve as a species. But then we add the factor of man, and like the vast majority of things, when we add the factor of man, man screws it up. And it's pretty much evident anywhere on the planet. You look at ecosystems, you look at you know how uh, a new city comes into being and all the natural flora gets thrown off, all the natural resources get contaminated or uh, over-abused to the point that they're no longer available or abundant. Species become endangered. Uh, ecological balance goes right off, uh, you know, right down the toilet. It, mm-hmm. We basically screw everything up. Whatever we touch, we screw up. And so if we can just understand the natural principle and get the hell out of the way, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. let these vaccine um, propagandists go to the, join the same condominium association <laughs> yes and he actually said i think it'd be a lot better off <laughs> yes yeah let the scientists lead us i mean again there's that worship of science liam chef has written about it extensively you see it in official stories and it's interesting i'm watching the phraseology of those vaccine proponents and they're starting to try and co-opt the language because we've recognized that their cult-like devotion to vaccines is not rational and right. that we, in fact, are for the immune system. We just have a different method to strengthen it rather than weaken and destroy it. And they don't like that. So they're trying to call us now cultists or religious, you know, phraseology to try and uh, counter it. But it's not going to work. Uh, and we're here to counter that if we need to. In the meantime, we'll also laugh a little bit. We've got some more stories on the vaccine front we'll cover when we come back from this break. It is Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rasha Bittar, D-R-B-U-T-T-A-R.com. And, of course, the 9 to get the book. All of those links are up. Thanks to Mike Adams and the Hell's Ranger for blasting around the world through nationalnewsradio.com and our syndicator, GCN. We'll be right back with more of Dr. Guitar. Um, Can you repeat the part of the stuff where you said all about the things? It's the Robert Scott Bell Show. Robert will be right back. Scott Belcher. Alive. It's alive. It's alive. The masked man who outsmarted you on your gang is none other than Robert Scott Bell. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. Robert Scott Bell. You see, we're on a mission from God. Yes, we are. And you know who dishes out the truth really well? It's Dr. Batar, and we're together each Monday 
and all over the world, in fact, MedicalRewind.com, if you want to hear specifically these updates, the advanced medicine segments. Also, Stitcher Podcast, iTunes, Epic Times now carrying the Robert Scott Bell Show, and, of course, UK Health Radio rebroadcasting it over the pond, and, of course, our home base at GCN, our syndicator, and naturalnewsradio.com. Dr. Pitar, lots of stuff related to kids. Always, when I see a story like this, it raises alarm bells, even if it's a subtle or slight increase, but I think it's significant here. Story about uh, renal or kidney cancer and thyroid cancer. I don't know if they're related, but uh, both of them appear to be on the increase in pediatric populations. Not surprising at all. The renal system is one of two primary systems of detoxification. Everything we take into our body, but the kidneys break down. Obviously, it's going to be the center uh, of attention for stuff that's going through the vascular tree. So everything gets focused right there into the kidneys, has to get filtered. All the blood in your body gets filtered through the kidneys. So any type of toxicity that is in, in a state of mobilization, the kidneys are going to see it first. So that's not a surprise that kidney cancer is on the rise because the toxicity is on the rise. And thyroid, again, of all the endocrine glands, of all the endocrine system, you've got the pituitary, adrenal, hypothalamic, thyroid axis that's the most sensitive. And of all those, thyroid is the one that's the most susceptible to toxicity. And I'm not surprised at all to see thyroid being um, very high as far as incidence cancer. So completely logical. And in fact, if you hadn't told me that and you were to ask me what two childhood cancers or mm-hmm. what three childhood cancers would you suspect would be on the rise, I would have said thyroid, I would have said renal, and I would have said hepatic. Interesting. You know, we, we talked to a guy last week from England, 63-year-old gentleman, very nice man who had uh, liver cancer. He actually got on the list at NHS, believe it or not, and got a used liver. He he survived. He got a, a new liver, so to speak. And he was on uh, whatever they do for that, but he ended up having a recurrence of his liver cancer. And what was fascinating about the story is that he you know, researched online and found out about Rick Simpson's oil and started using the cannabis oil. That was all he did. Uh, when he rejected all the treatments uh, for from the regular docs, the oncologist, he said, I've already been through your method, didn't work. And he was on it. I don't know if it was a matter of weeks or months. It wasn't long. He started spitting things up. He thought it was blood. It turned out to be like dead cells. And he went back to the doctor, had it analyzed. He, he, he doesn't have liver cancer anymore. And he did this even though he's still on anti-rejection medicine, which they always do when you have a transplant. So it's fascinating to me. We've talked a little bit about that plant, but another story in terms of what we could do to look outside, as Ty says, the box in healing things that are supposedly unhealable. Right, right. Robert, you know that link that you sent me, by the way, mm-hmm. not to change the subject, but uh, apparently uh, on that link, this is the one that you sent me about the uh, about Congressman Posey. Yes. While we were on the, right before this break, or before we got back on the air. Well, there's a comment from somebody on this blog on... Um, on the Ben Swan blog there? Yeah, on Ben Swan's blog, there's a response over here and it says that there was a Pennsylvania federal judge who ruled in favor of whistleblowers who have accused Merck of lying about the efficacy of its mumps vaccine, mm-hmm. currently only available in combo with the MMR. Now, is he talking about Thompson or is he talking about somebody else? Because I didn't know that Thompson actually accused Merck. No, no, no. This is a, this, and, and you're bringing up a, a separate story that I haven't had time to dig into because of the weekend away. And that's something we're going to de- dive into this week and perhaps next week when we're back on together. I just wasn't prepared to cover it in depth. But indeed, there's a whistleblower scenario, but it's outside of the government. In this case, it's within Merck itself. And they did uh, allow this lawsuit 
against Merck to go ahead. So it's different than somebody who's been injured by a vaccine who they say, no, you have to go through the vaccine injury compensation court. This is about people blowing the whistle on Merck's corruption and saying, I'm suing you guys directly, not because they have been injured, but because they say there is malfeasance. How do you say that word? But you know what I'm saying, a legal term going on. Right. Yeah. So that'll be something that'll be upcoming. We're going to be digging deeper on in in the coming days for sure. But on the on the renal and thyroid, I was also thinking about background levels of radiation rising because of Fukushima, particularly in the Pacific Northwest or the West Coast of the United States, uh, where there were some indications of increased uh, infant mortality as well. I would have to say that you know if we see a generational decline as parents that don't understand this mes- message that we have here about counteracting all of the toxins, including radiological toxins, because they even speculated in this article that one of the reasons maybe cancer is on the increase because of CT scans or radiation scans in children. Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that's another component, too, that we have to be aware of. So many of these diagnostic components, leave alone the therapeutic aspects, but just the, many of the diagnostics will significantly impact not only the thyroid and the uh, adrenal axis and stuff, not just the thyroid and the kidneys, but all organs of detoxification and all endocrine uh, organs, it'll affect the entire system. So there's, there's so much that it can... you got to remember, too, in children, these systems haven't fully matured yet. So some of them, like the gastrointestinal tract for the first year of life, isn't even able to carry on the normal functions that are that we take for granted for the alimentary tract. And certain other organ systems aren't fully matured. The kidneys, the liver... You know, there's uh, till the age of six, they're still seven, till the age of six, seven, they're still developing and maturing. And so when you start to assault these organ systems during the vital developmental um, time frame, you're going to actually have more of a damage than you would had those organ systems already been fully developed and then being exposed. Not that the exposure is any less or any greater, it's just that the time of exposure, uh, based upon the level of development, uh, can be even more damaging. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And we see this uh, decline in health in a general sense as we're seeing a strange outbreak again in the Midwest related what they're calling to the common enterovirus. But what's the mystery is why now? Right. And that's that's a fair question to ask. We would just ask that they look deeper into their own interventions, medical uh, speak of that may be precipitating these outbreaks, the weakening of the species where everything is looked at as well. It's just a vaccine deficiency. Clearly, if we had the right vaccine at the right time, early enough, often enough, we would have the antibodies there to protect them. In the meantime, ignoring that they're decimating the very immune system and its functionality with their holy grail-like worship of this antibody. Right. Uh, And, you know, again, this is where that debate comes in about the pro-vaccine, anti-vaccine. We've been labeled as anti-vaccine. Mm-hmm. That antibody antigen response is a natural response created by the ultimate engineer in order to safeguard ourselves. Um, the the antigen or the foreign substance that acts as a haptin or as an antigen, there's a virus, a bacteria, whatever it is, something foreign that the body should not have, is not supposed to have, the body's immune system, as long as it's intact, recognizes it and responds to it. And that is a natural response. And that's what the entire premise of the vaccination industry was developed on is that you have something foreign, the body's natural ability to recognize it as foreign is kicked in and it fights it. The problem isn't 
the antigen or the antibody-antigen reaction or the happen response. That's not, that's not what the issue is. The issue is they put all this crap in with the foreign substance, which now suppresses the immune system, which is the very thing that we're dependent on for mm-hmm. the body to react and respond to to create the antibodies. And then we also add all these other adjuvants to the vaccine that causes a further burden on the immune system. And then we, then we add toxicities to it that not only suppress, further suppress the immune system, but also prevent the body from responding the way it's supposed to and mm-hmm. shuts down the normal metabolic processes or inhibits them or cripples them. And then that entire cascade in the way that they're doing this vaccine program, these vaccine programs is what causes this incredible um, annihilation of the entire system, the, the, the neurological system, the musculoskeletal system. You know, everything gets right. shut down. Gut, everything gets ruined. So, Dr. Batar, we are not opposed to somehow safely stimulating an antibody response. Absolutely. I mean, we don't. That's not what we're in opposition to. I mean, it's the way they do it. It's just horrific. Exactly. It's barbaric. And, uh, you know, downright dangerous. Actually, now, to say mm-hmm, barbaric, Robert, to say mm-hmm. barbaric, it would, be, it would be actually a very, if you just did it even the most primitive way, it wouldn't mm-hmm. be barbaric. It's a very refined mm-hmm. way that they're doing it, which by itself, it's not primitive. It's actually very advanced, but it's the, the advanced nature of what they're doing is what scares me because it shows that the motivation is not accidental. It's right. There's a, a intention yeah. to organize refined barbarism then. Right. Um, yeah. The, you know, it's, it's interesting. Je- yeah. Jeffrey Jackson commented on this and related it to the Nuremberg uh, principles because uh, uh, he said the doctors and nurses could be the tipping point here if they just stopped and walked away. He says doctors and nurses that continue to inject patients should be held or could be held liable according to the Nuremberg principle four, which clearly states the following. The fact that a person acted pursuant to order of his government or of a superior does not relieve him from responsibility under international law, provided a moral choice was in fact possible to him. The principle could be paraphrased as follows. It is not an acceptable excuse to say, I was just following my superior's orders. Well, and that's the thing. The doctors are going to say, well, you know, the studies were done, it was established, and I didn't know I was doing anything harmful. But, you know, it's, that's even a moot point now because... Every time you go into the airport, you go into the grocery food store, you go into a pharmacy, they're talking about getting your freaking flu shot, getting your vaccines. So they've taken the doctor or nurse out of the equation now because you can get, mm-hmm. if you can get a vaccine at a kiosk at an airport or while you're shopping groceries, they've already eliminated the doctor nurse filter now. Hmm. Interesting. You know, in itself, that's, that's very suspect. I mean, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, can you imagine when you were growing up, your parents taking you to the airport or the grocery food store to get a vaccine? No, much less getting free film processing. But there's no film anymore anyway, so who cares? Actually, we'd be do better because we could eat the film. It used to have silver in it. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> We've lost that, too. Oh, my goodness. By the way, uh, again, modulating immunity is something we can do. There are a lot of ways that we talk about here on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Detoxification is critical. Dr. Batar and I have, have just covered so many things over the years. We've done this together. So I encourage you to go back and listen to previous shows. Go to medicalrewind.com for direct access there. Also, there's loads more good stuff in the nine steps to keep the doctor away. So stick around. Dr. Batar is with me one more segment as we do some more advanced medicine on a myriad of topics to wrap it up here. And you can always call us, too. we got one more segment. You can reach us, 866-939-2355. 
or go to robertscottbell.com. Back with Dr. Batar and more broadcast healing after this. Live around the world, the Robert Scott Bell Show. Robert Scott Bell. All right, on the break, Dr. Batar and I just discovered a major national security priority, and we've renamed it Bayonets for Ebola. Bayonets for Ebola. How and why, Dr. Batar? Well, uh, Barack Ebola has now said uh, it could be a serious danger, this Ebola, if the U.S. doesn't act. What do you mean by act? And then uh, suddenly it's a national security priority, the, uh, the Ebola thing. And then there's another story Ben Swan covered a while back that you brought to my attention about how they're giving, like, police departments from the federal level bayonets and rocket and grenade launchers and tanks and I don't know if one has to do with the other, except that if the American population remains ignorant of the true cause of disease, they can be convinced that Ebola really is a viral disease that has nothing to do with the terrain, nothing to do with mineral deficiency, selenium, etc. Yeah, that's very true. They could be one of the same. You know, remember back in 2010, 2011, H1N1, the president was on national TV, had a... Uh, where you address the nation, and there was a talk of the need to take the H1N1 vaccine, and they estimated that 20% of the U.S. population, or 60 million Americans, were going to die. And, of course, that's not what happened. And the reason it didn't happen was because people and mass protest refused to take the H1N1 vaccine. And, you know, we know what happened globally, how 98% of the um, Germans, for example, that were the German government was going to do it for free, and they had revolts there. They had revolts all over the world. Uh, in here in the United States, the nursing associations in New York City, actually in New York State and in Washington State, went all the way to the Supreme Court and won because they said that it was unconstitutional for them to be forced to take this H1N1 vaccine, which even the manufacturers agreed hadn't been fully researched before they were going to implement it. And I think that the people. Uh, knew not to take it, enough people knew not to take it, that if they had actually taken it, if H1N1 vaccines had been widely disseminated the way that they wanted them to, I am mm. certain that what the president had foretold would have come to fruition and, and 60 million Americans would have died. I think this is another possibility, uh, as you kind of laid out, it's another possibility that they're going to try to create this fear the fear-mongering, mm-hmm. and now they want to make sure that people are going to take the vaccine, then they, uh, they'll mandate it, and they will use police to enforce that. Is that possible? I think it's... Well, I yeah, under, under a national emergency, understand the rule of necessity has no law. When they say it's a necessity, it's necessary, then, you know, the Constitution is suspended, all of that, because it's, it's necessary. And right. people got to, you know, be very wary of that. When governments claim it's necessary, things like martial law occur... And because they're going to claim, well, it's a medical necessity, and you people don't know what we know because we're the doctors, we're the experts, you're just laypersons. This is the same argument that's used against parents who have watched their children slip away from them. Right, in autism, that's exactly right. It's under the pretense of public safety that they will take the power and, and victimize those that are allow themselves to be victimized. And that's one of the reasons that's so important to understand the, 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 how, how the system works and not only your own body system, but how our political system works and making sure that the apathy that we as a nation have shown and allowed ourselves to get to this point that we do something 
proactive about it. I'm not talking about, you know, causing riots or anything like that. I'm talking about being aware and making sure that, like this whistleblower, for example, Dr. Thompson and some of these other people, the Merck whistleblowers, they're bringing it to light. So now that's taking away from the power of the government, the power of the uh, big pharma that they will use this information to try to control us. Now we're becoming more aware, and the information is widely being disseminated that, no, the Buttars and the, and the Robert Scott Bells and the rest of the people of the world, they're not the crazy loons. They're the ones that were, <laughs> if anything, you know, knew a little too much. It's interesting that if you look at all revolutions, Robert, all mm-hmm. the people that are remembered after the revolutions as heroes were actually considered traitors at the, at the inception of the revolution. Sure. Those that signed the Declaration of Independence and then the, the Constitution, and particularly the Declaration of Independence initially, uh, were signing what they perceived to be their own death warrant because of, uh, they were considered traitors and now terrorists to the crown of England. And, right. you know, where is the courage of conviction in this day and age? As people cower in fear, as the doctors and nurses, as you said, also being pulled out of their hands, taken into the pharmacies, the airports and everything, because at some point the doctors and nurses will rebel when it becomes so obvious they can no longer hide it with all the drugs that they're taking just to go to sleep. That about wraps up another edition of Advanced Medicine Monday, Dr. Bittar. I appreciate you so much, and uh, we've got lots more to talk about. We're out of time. Well, Robert, I will see you next week. Yeah, yeah, we'll be there. And remember, MedicalRewind.com. Say thanks to all our wonderful sponsors for making this message of health, freedom, and healing liberty possible. Uh, tomorrow, Dr. Daniel Newsom will talk more detoxification. He's back from Ecuador. And uh, juicing raw cannabis. You will not get high, but there's some benefits there as well. In the meantime, go get the nine steps to keep the doctor away and tell your friends, just like I tell you, the power to heal is yours. The Robert Scott Bell Show.